When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For the Long Run, the podcast exploring the why behind what keeps runners running long, strong, and motivated. I'm your host, Jonathan Levitt. I've been running for a few years now and have the privilege of meeting many incredible runners on my travels all across the country. This podcast is intended to share those amazing conversations. Welcome back. I am in Atlanta, Georgia with Aaron Strout. Aaron, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. We are sitting here in the hotel, the host hotel of uh, the Olympic marathon trials. So <laughs> if you hear any noise in the background during this episode, it's simply because people are excited about running. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> Aaron, so uh, who, big question, who is Aaron? Oh, that is a big question. Um, well, I am a senior writer for Women's Running Magazine. Um, I live in Flagstaff, Arizona. With two amazing dogs. And you bake amazing food. <laughs> I do like to bake. Awesome. Um, so we have, what we're going to do today is a little bit different. Uh, I did a conversation uh, ahead of North Face with Mario Fraioli um, back in November. And I figure we'll follow a format that's a little similar to that. Talk about talk about you, talk about you know how you got into what you're doing now. And then obviously we'll get into the trials. Hmm. Um, so how did you get to where you are now with women's, women's running? I know you've been, you've been freelance, you've been, you know, all over the place in, in, in a good way, um, in the running world. Um, but how did you, how did you get into it? Oh, that's kind of a long story. Um, I started out just as a newspaper journalist in, um, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, uh, straight out of college. I went to Penn state, um, Ended up, you know, covering the cops beat and city hall and school board meetings and all that good stuff. Um, car accidents, fires, you name it. Small towns, great journalism stuff. Um, and then I ended up uh, at a really small magazine, a business magazine in New York City. Um, and I stayed there for about six years covering um, kind of corporate America um, with a focus on sales and marketing. Um and that is where I met Sarah Lorge Butler, who um, is a writer over at Runner's World currently. Um, and I stayed there for about six years. And then I ended up uh, moving down to D.C., um, working at the Chronicle of Higher Education, covering kind of like the business side of colleges and universities. And while I was there, I was kind of bitten by the running bug a little bit more than I had been in the past. I was getting a little better at it and more interested and more involved in the community and that kind of thing. Um, so I was kind of, you know, moonlighting, doing some freelance uh, for Runner's World and also just kind of begging some some side stories from our athletics department. And usually when I was 
begging those stories they had to do with, you know, NCAA cross country or track and field in some way. So um, that was kind of the path that I followed. And at one point I decided to leave the Chronicle um, and I ended up kind of a long story, but I ended up moving to Flagstaff from D.C., um, bit of a change. A little bit of a, you know, culture shock. But uh, yeah, so I ended up in Flagstaff. And around that time, Sarah Lorge Butler um, had started uh, full time at Running Times, which was owned by Rodale at the time, um, which it, Rodale at that time also uh, owned Runner's World. So a position, a remote posi- position came up at Running Times, and Sarah had contacted me and asked me if I was interested in that. And, and so I took it. Um, I applied and happily got the job and was able to stay in Flagstaff. Um, and as we all know, running times, rest in peace. Uh, I forget what year, 2014, 14, 15, yeah. somewhere in there. It's all a blur. Um, it was a sad time. I put it out of my mind. <laughs> um, but then and now I, we're digging it up again. <laughs> I know. Here we are. Um, and then I ended up with Runner's World on a contract basis, um, kind of a freelance contract basis for a few years there. Um, and then, yeah, I was ready for a little bit of a change last year. Um, so I started freelancing for outside. Um, and at that point, uh, women's running and competitor and some other titles had been, you know, exchanging hands. I don't, yeah, a few times, I guess, and ended up with pocket outdoor media, which was actually the original owner of all of these titles. Um, they, uh, unfortunately had to do a lot of layoffs and I know how that feels on the other end of it. Um, but in the meantime, they were looking for somebody to, kind of fill in the gaps while they were figuring out what they were doing. Um, so I took that position on a contract basis again. Um, this is a very long story. <laughs> I hope I hope it's not too boring. But uh, Well, no, I think it's interesting. A lot of people read the words you put out about other people. And I think people <laughs> want to know, like, who is, who is behind, who is behind it all? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Anyway, Women's Running and Pocket Outdoor Media are based in Boulder, Colorado, um, which is another great mountain town. However, I have kind of built my life in Flagstaff, and I wasn't ready for that move, and I'm not ready for any kind of move, but they were gracious enough to give me a full-time position as a senior writer um, while I maintain my residence in Flagstaff. That's awesome. Let's talk about Flagstaff. Flagstaff uh, is incredible. I've been out there a few times. through, first through Rob's Rob Cryer's camp, uh, mm-hmm. his his trail and ultra camp, which was amazing. You cooked some or you baked some delicious treats for, <laughs> and uh, Rob wanted me to ask you oh, about. No. Um, <laughs> let's see what he said. Rob said you are a magical crew chief, and every time that you crew him, he in a hundred miler or a hundred k, he wins. This is this is true, except for the first time. Um, he got second, but it was also his first 100 miler, and it was my first time crewing. So we were just getting warmed up. Getting but your training. Legs. Ever since then, every time I've crewed him, he has won. So let's talk about the 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 experience of crewing a hundred miler and crewing someone like Rob, who mm-hmm. he's not going, he's not 
you know, out there. It's not a walk in the park. He he's trying to win. Yeah. So he's trucking. What's what's it like to have that pressure? Is there pressure? What's the experience like? <laughs> um, I would say there's a little bit of pressure. Um, not from Rob per se, but like Rob's ability level, just because. As you know, a lot of these ultras, like the aid stations are just like in far flung places and (laughs) getting there is getting there is um, not always easy. And when you have a runner who runs as fast as Rob does, um, you do have that fear that you might miss him. And we've had that fear a few times. Um, We've never missed him. However, uh, knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. yeah, but there is that kind of pressure. I would say that, like, actually crewing Rob is not a lot of pressure. It's it's a lot of fun, and I enjoy doing that. And then you, you're a part of the camps that he does, too, right? Yeah, I um, not on the running end of things, um, usually because I'm, I'm working, but I do help a little bit with the cooking and the baking. A very crucial part. And I, I believe it's <laughs> it's the most important part. <laughs> so, yes, definitely. So we had, um, so as we were talking about before we started recording, um, I normally ask, you know, do people have questions about uh, the upcoming guest? And there were a ton that came in from <laughs> from people interested in hearing more about you. So let's uh, let's dive into those. Um, and and the focus is mostly on running which makes sense, and writing about running. Um, so the first question, what's a story that you haven't written or have been putting off? Oh, gosh. I guess that's a tough one to start with. <laughs> that is a really hard one. <laughs> Rip the Band-Aid off right away. Oh, my goodness. I think there are a lot of stories that um, I would love to write that I you know, either haven't had time to or the resources aren't there. And when I say resources, I mean... Um, you know, right now we're a pretty small operation. There's three of us that, um, not only put news on the website every day, but, uh, we actually have a print product. (laughs) So there are those deadlines too. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of issues right now going on, um, in running as we know. I mean, what do you think deserves more attention? Um, I do think somebody whether it's me or somebody else should really be doing a deep dive at some point into the governance of our sport um i think there are a lot of issues there and a lot of a a huge lack of transparency in terms of like um incentives not aligning properly or or just the whole the whole thing i think um usa track and field uh the way it operates um who's involved in it, the ties to corporations, all those kinds of things, and and what the influences are and, and ultimately what that does to the sport. Got it. Um, definitely agree. And it's been, it's been really cool to see the power of journalism in making change. I guess that's the point, right? But you look at what you're doing, Lindsey Krause um, and a handful of others out there, um, I was listening. Was it you that was on Rambling Runner podcast? I was, I was listening to Lindsay Krause on Rambling Runner podcast oh, okay. yep. about uh, talking about her story and how Nike actually made changes. And it's fascinating to hear action reaction, um, which is it's awesome. Um, what are you most proud of covering in 2019 or 2020? Ooh. Um. 
Well, I think after uh, the Mary Kane story uh, came out in the op-ed that um, Lindsay had had worked on, um, I think, you know, we took kind of a beat there instead of just jumping on this, you know, this documentary coming out and and what was contained in it um, instead of just jumping on like a news story that just sort of said, Hey, this happened. Um, I was given a proper amount of time to report it out and to corroborate it with people who had firsthand knowledge. And not only that, but we looked at, um, we just sort of looked at it more broadly. Um, the issue itself, um, is it systemic? Is it, um, a culture that exists throughout the sport? And is this just an, an example that's, you know, something that's happening to a lot of people? Um, so I think that's that's probably the biggest story that I did. And then, and then we're seeing more athletes and bigger and not bigger stories, but other stories right. from Canada and from right. other places in the U.S. And I think that uh, again, it's incredible that this type of journalism can bring about structural change. I talked with Mary about it, and her, she, you know, she's what she said and she said it over and over again like i want to shake up the running world i want to change the way that that running works and that coaches work and how athletes see themselves and none of that would have been possible without that kind of amazing work so it's i think it's just the start and i think that there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot more head and and a lot more storytelling ahead um, which is which is super cool. So that's a good one. What about what about the? Would that be a career highlight? Do you think? Because um, this person also wanted to know the, the a career, career highlight. highlight. Ooh, I don't know if I've hit my career highlight yet. It's still ahead. Awesome. It's still ahead. Um, Jen Miller wants to know about the Office Watchdog. <laughs> Um, if you follow me on Instagram, I don't do stories very often, but when I do, it's usually making fun of my, I have two dogs and the younger one, um, is, uh, she fancies herself a little bit of a guard dog. And, um, I have an office in my house and she, um, guards me by having a little patrol where the window is. So awesome. Yeah. What type of dog? She's a mutt. Uh, yeah, she's, a, she was a stray and I don't know what she is. She's crazy. But if you, yeah, if, you'll have to follow me on social media to see crazy pictures of her. Awesome. What's been the hardest or most challenging story to write? Or a hard one? A hard one. Um, I think they're all hard in, in a little, you know, in, in different ways. Um, trying to think that's a great question. Let me think for a second here. I mean, the Mary Kane story was difficult. Um, what do you think it's going to take to to actually make that structural change? Ooh. That's such a huge <laughs> what, what, what would you do if if USA Track and Field came to you and said, "Aaron, what tell us what to do? Where where do we start or what what are the questions we should be asking?" Yeah, I think um, actually, you know, it kind of comes back to Nike um, because I think that Nike is such a, they have all the resources, they have such a huge influence in the sport. And if they wanted to 
you know, they can make such a positive difference um, and be the example and, you know, you know, open up the doors and all the windows and and show us how to do it and put the resources behind it. And so is that is that showing what Nike is doing? Is that using their research capabilities to fund better studies? What? Well, I mean, when you look at the stake that Nike has in USATF, I mean, it's kind of hard to parse them apart. Um, and so I do think that if they're going to put resources into the sport of running, perhaps this is where the resources need to go right now. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it, it's such a large issue and it comes, uh, it comes at so many different issues, like different ways into it. Um, I think, you know, edu coaching education, um, would be a good one. Um, I think, you know, research, I mean, so much of the research that, um, you know, it goes into training philosophies and all those kinds of things are really antiquated and based on men. College age men. <laughs> yeah. And not women. And so I think there's a lot of different things that could be done. Um, whether they, you know, whether, whether we get there or not, I don't know. Um, but I do like that people like Mary are really dedicated to, you know, seeing some things through. For sure. Um, What's a what's a story or topic that you wish you could get more people interested in? Mm. Well, I think, you know, the sport of track and field in general yeah. is something that not a lot of people are interested in. And I think it's, you know, it's not just the sport that's worth watching, but it's the people that are involved in it. Um, I mean, there's some really cool things happening with, with the group that you guys have out in Flagstaff now, or now the two groups in Flagstaff. Mm -hmm. um, I live like 10 feet from the BU track and that track is incredible and the energy at that track is incredible is incredible and I know there are a lot of people from Boston that listen to this podcast so if you haven't been to a track meet at BU it's free and it's incredible and it's really fast and there's a meet so we're recording this on Wednesday and there's a meet I believe it's Thursday and Friday last mm -hmm. chance so yeah, you should listen to it. You should go, you should go check it out. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I think that the track is super exciting and that so many people are focused on the marathon or ultras and whatnot. And um, yeah, track is track is pretty awesome too. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, extending to ultras and marathons too. I just think the whole sport in general is, um, you know, it suffers because it doesn't have an audience until, you know, once every four years. Definitely. So you work at Women's Running. Yes. Um, one of the questions that came in was, what is the best way for a guy to promote women's representation in media? And I think that's a bit of a, a precursor to a question that I've had, which is how do we, how do men who are in a position of privilege use that in a good way and, and push things forward instead of not doing that? I think there's some really simple ways. Um, I think in the age of social media, you know, there's a lot of um, story sharing and those kinds of things. And if, you know, I've written something that, um, I don't know. I I think the, my biggest pet peeve is when I see um, men retweeting a story from 
another male journalist that cites my work. <laughs> Just go ahead and share my story, not the guy's story. <laughs> uh, that happens a lot, actually. Um, but I just think, you know, we talk a lot, actually, you know, among women and, and women in leadership about amplifying each other. And I think, you know, if more men amplified more women um, in the, you know, simplest ways, that would be super helpful. That makes sense. Um so I had Caitlin Goodman on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about the trials and the fact that there are twice as many women in the field as men. Mm -hmm. And we were trying to figure out why. <laughs> and I'd love to hear your take on why you think that is. Because um, women are awesome. No. Um, I mean, they are, but I don't think that's the, that's the only reason. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, I I think there are a few reasons. Um, I think that uh, women are very much, um, you know, community members. And when I say community, I do mean locally, but I also mean like sort of nationally that we all follow each other. We all cheer each other on a lot of times. Um, and, and when that happens, like, there's more exposure and there's more inspiration. I think, you know, if you see somebody doing something and you're like, oh, I was in college at the same time she was. I remember her competing at whatever track meet. And look at her. She, you know, ran a 245 and she's competing at the Olympic trials now. I could probably do that. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of that going on, just kind of inspiring each other. Um, I do think, you know not to step into controversy, but I, I do think, you know, maybe the standard, I don't know if it's equal between men and women. I, I don't have enough information or background or knowledge in that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there has to be something there since it's, it's so there's like different. 500 women, there's like 260 men. So well, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I know so many more women that are running this weekend than men. And some of that, some of that's, you know, the circles I'm in, some of it's, you know, other things, I guess. But I can only think of a couple of guys that put themselves out there and share their training and things like that. Yeah. Uh, Peter Bromka and Tommy Rivs Puzzy. Like, those mm -hmm. are the only two that I can think of that are, like, right on the cusp and, and bringing us all along. Whereas, yeah. like... You have hundreds of women that are doing yeah. it. I mean, so many women yeah. do it. And and I think it starts at the top, too. Like, you see a lot of the, the top women. I mean, it doesn't hurt that, like, you know, women's running in general at the top has been on the rise. And so I think that's inspirational and it kind of trickles down. But also, I just think that women are so much better at, like, sharing the journey and, like, the highs and lows and, and you know. It's relatable. Yeah, it's totally relatable. So why why has the pregnancy thing been an issue i i from a so i come at it from a business and practical standpoint and i see i see when a woman is pregnant like that's the most like that's the best time from a business perspective for them to connect if they're a professional athlete because they're relatable they're human they're growing a human they're doing something that's required so that this species continues whereas 
running a 224 marathon or a 204 marathon or whatever, like that's not attainable for most people. Why do you think that there's been such a um, a gap between or a disconnect between the relatability and the brand making concessions or or um, not concessions? What's the word I'm looking for? Um, you mean like why weren't they paying women while they why were weren't pregnant? they paying women? But but <laughs> at a time when they would be most valuable from a brand well, marketing aspect. I think it's pretty aspect. easy answers because men were making those decisions and they don't understand what the market wants. And, yeah. You know, as a consumer, I want to see Alicia Montano training, training through her pregnancy right. or like telling me that she's tired and pregnant and doesn't want to train anymore or so, whatever the case may be. So do you think that, that it's it's part of the shift from, I mean, you look at, you look at social media in general and there's less of a reward on, on winning and more on relatability. And you look at an athlete like Steph Bruce, who puts it all out there and shares, you know, every piece of the journey. And you look at it again, Peter Bromka does the same thing. These are, these are people that are, he's not a sponsored athlete, but um, I think that, there are people getting contracts now that might not have got contracts 10 years ago before Instagram. Mm -hmm. What's, what's your take on that? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Um, I don't know. I think, um, if you're a business person, you want to have people representing your brands that reach a lot of people and, and people like Steph, you know, like you said, she shares the whole thing and a lot of people gravitate toward the fact that like, you know, she struggled after her pregnancy um, and she shared the whole thing. Like she never held back. Right. And I think, you know, if you're if you have a brand and um, people just gravitate toward this athlete, not only because she's a talented athlete, but, be, you know, she's using her platform for something else, too. Right. And I think that's like hugely important now. Like you can't just run fast anymore. Right. You really have to like, you have to have a platform that you're using for the greater good, I think. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you look at an athlete like Claire Gallagher and we have a relationship with her through Inside Tracker. And, and one of the things she said was, I reserve my platform for, for the environment. And like, that's my priority. It's not running. It's not anything else. It's like, improving the environment and right. environmental protection. I think it's super cool that Patagonia signed her for that purpose, not because she's winning Western States, but because she's helping the environment. Right. And I think it, you know, it can be both things. Um, but I think also just as human beings, you know, if you have, a, if you have a microphone, right. use it for good, you know, it's and running can be used for good. And, um, you know, like I said, if I were the person in charge of those contracts, I'd I'd want I'd want my athletes using their microphones for good. Definitely. So speaking of using things for good and and using you know using the audience for good, it reminded me of a quote from Sabrina Little that she posted uh, yesterday. She said, and and 
I'll make the connection after I read it. She said, for my five friends who don't know, the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials is this weekend. It's worth looking into, even if you don't like sports, because these people worked hard to be the best versions of themselves, and excellence is mesmerizing and invites you to participate. And so I think that that gets back to the using the platform for good, where you see all these women sharing their journey and sharing the ups and downs and bringing people along with them. Like I sat on the plane here coming here to Atlanta. I haven't run in four weeks, or five mm-hmm. weeks, and I'm so fired up to yeah. be here and so fired up to like go on a 20 minute run next week and right. crush, like crush it. Um, I won't crush it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but like, but just like to, to get fired up just from watching all these people reaching for their peak and, and so many people have trained for four years for this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's their Olympics, and it's so cool that um, that that's the platform that that so many people are inspiring others on. Yeah, I agree, and I think you know the more the more we know about athletes, and and the more they share their stories, the more invested we are in their outcomes. And so, you know, when somebody crosses the line first on Saturday, that we all kind of feel like we are we've been invested in their journey totally. to that moment like it's it's very moving. So, I'm not going to ask who you think is going to cross the line first. Thank you. <laughs> but I am going to ask oh who are five athletes oh that you think will or three athletes that you think will outperform expectations. Okay, so We'll go three. Okay. So outperform expectations means that they're not necessarily making the team, but they're... They could finish top 10. They could finish top okay. five. Um, okay. I'm trying to think. There's probably a lot of them that will. There's 500. <laughs> There's 500 people. Okay, yeah, that's a good point. So let's go back to the, the top performers. Okay. Who who do you think is going to have a really good day out of the the top 15, let's say? All right. Um, I think Steph Bruce is going to have a good day. Um, she just seems like she's in a good place and her training went well. And I have the fortune of spending a lot of time with Steph in Flagstaff. So that's probably why my biased sharing Diablo burgers. <laughs> we, uh, she helps us with team run Flagstaff. So I see her at least once a week, if not more. Um, let's see who else I think. Um, Kellen and Alephine. I think that whole Northern Arizona elite group um, is in such a far different place than they were in 2016. So I would say all of them um, will probably have great days. Um, I don't know if that means they're all making the team. I don't, I, you know, as much as I would say that would be great. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but um, I think they're all going to perform really well. Um I think Sarah Hall is going to have a good day. Yeah. So those are all. Like Steph. I was hoping you'd say some bolder people, so <laughs> so you could, uh, so I could make this connection. But um, the point was made that that either the the bolder or Flagstaff camps will perform well, mm-hmm. given the variables that they train with normally and the variables that that um, they'll deal with here in Atlanta. I think that's really. I think that I think, I think we're gonna see a good day out of out yeah. of those two cities. I think um, the course really favors people that um, you know train through the winter at high altitude on big hills, and 
you know, I, I'm not in Boulder very often, but um, I would say that it's probably similar to Flagstaff in that regard. Um, I just, you know, I see the terrain and the, and the workouts that these women have been doing um, over the past three months. And I don't, I, I fail to understand how they couldn't possibly be ready for this. Yeah. But Sarah Hall said she's trained, trained harder than ever before, ever before. Tra- training. Uh, she couldn't have done more. I think is what she said. Yeah, I I believe her. I mean, just kind of going over sort of what she's been doing and having a good visual in my head of where she's been doing it. Um, I don't think she could have if she did. I I think if she did one more thing, she'd probably end up injured. So she's fascinating. (laughs) So I had her on the podcast when I was in Flagstaff and I'd never met her before, but um follow her on on social media and and the presence she had in person was very similar to her presence on social media which is good to see mm-hmm. um and it was just like gratitude and mm-hmm. and happiness and yeah. I talked about this with Caitlin like the stoke meter like I think the stoke meter is the most of the the best measure of performance and hers was super high yeah she just is she finds such pure joy in running. Yeah. And whether she was doing this to make an Olympic team or she was just doing this with her kids on, you know. It's no different. It's no different to her. So we're not going to make top predictions, but we are going to make predictions on strategy. How is this race going to be run? Um, I don't think it's going to dawdle too much in the beginning just because uh, there are so many people in the race that I think the true contenders are going to want to kind of have their own space um so they're not you know sometimes you know like you see in a new york city marathon where it just goes out at a pace that perhaps i could have maintained for it <laughs> which is you know um, yeah, i could run half with this crew yeah uh so i don't think that's gonna happen i think um they'll probably get down to business pretty quickly um not at a blitzing pace but just to separate themselves a little bit who do you think that favors and doesn't favor um, I think there's like 10 to 12 women that are fine with that. And that's all you need, really. Right. <laughs> yeah, think, one of them will make it. Yeah. And, you know, from there, it's just going to be attrition. <laughs> so what about the men's side? Do you have any predictions over there? Uh, I have been so consumed with the women's side. Um, I haven't, I, this is terrible. I haven't paid much attention, <laughs> but, um, you know, I think if, if Galen Rupp is healthy, then... There's no reason to believe that he won't have a great day and and make the team and probably come in first. Um, I don't know too much about career um, other than his two, you know, 207 in Amsterdam. Um, And I think, you know, on both sides, you can't really put a lot of stock into PRs. Um, You can put some, but um, a lot of things, you know, we cover races you know, all the time, the world marathon majors. And I can tell you that rarely the person with the fastest time is the person the one who that wins, wins the race. <laughs> so for a race like that, where, where do you think it's most interesting to watch? No. <laughs> um, and I guess that's kind of a, a, I guess that really doesn't matter. Cause you see, you see the loop, right? Do you think, yeah. so, so I'll rephrase that. It's a loop course with a 5K finish. Would you rather be on the loop or the the last 5K? You know, I haven't. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to go out and 
kind of scope it out at my very, very leisurely pace um, and just kind of see what it's all about. Um, I'm not sure that these athletes are going to want to leave it to that last 5K just because I've heard it's pretty hilly. I haven't seen it yet, so I could be spreading lies. I'm not sure. Um, But from what I've heard, it's not an easy last 5K. Um, So I'm not sure anybody's going to want to keep it to, you know, that if they don't have to. Um, So I don't know. I think I would be in the loop just because you can see more. Yeah, I think so. I think that's the... They're they're going to come by three times, so... For sure. Um, What are you... What are you excited most about for this weekend? Gosh, I think both these races are going to be super exciting. Um, And I, I, you know, aside from that, um, I did cover the 2012 and 2016 Olympic marathon trials. Um, And this is just basically the most excitement I've seen. Um, I think the Atlanta track club has probably, you know, I just got here. So, but um, But the welcome here at this, at this hotel was incredible. Yeah. Um, And nobody knows what's going on. I talked to 10 people and they were like, why are so, why are so many people? It's so excited to be here. And, and I was talking to the the guy that was um, one of the um, the bellboys, and he's like, "What's going on here?" <laughs> I told him, he's like, "Sweet." <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I just think I think the Atlanta Track Club like they're going to do such an excellent job with this weekend, and um, yeah, I'm excited to see every you know see it. I won't be able to see too much out on the course because I'll be working, but. Um, yeah, I just think there's a lot of excitement around the sport, and you'd love to see that. Can we talk shoes? Oh, if we have to. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I hesitated to bring it up, but... I'm wearing tree torns right now. Nice. If you're uh, interested. These are um, these are wool over here. They're nice. like uh, all birds, but they're, they're hoka. Nice. Um, <laughs> jokes aside, um, the shoes are a, a really interesting conversation point around both races i think again more interestingly in the women's race Mm -hmm. because i don't think that any of the favorites are nike athletes this year there's two jordan Hesse, right um and sally capiego so but they seem to be in the minority yeah i mean they're not going to see too many nikes at the front of the women's race why do you think that is because they signed with other companies (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i think you know a lot of these women are kind of vets of the sport they've been with their sponsors for a long time so do you think that that's due to what's come out recently or do you think that that's more related to just who is who is up either up and coming or just hitting their stride yeah i don't know i I think it's just because, like I said, the, a lot of the women that are, you know, contending have been in the sport for a long time, um, and they've been loyal to their to their sponsors and their supporters. So, yeah, I think they've just, you know, come up through the sport in different brands, and that's what they'll stick with. Clean sport is another piece of the puzzle. Uh, Kara Goucher gave a pretty spirited interview at the end of the 2016 trials. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that that will be an issue here in Atlanta? I hope not. I still think there's, you know, there's still some 
Oregon Project, you know, buzz out there. Um, and I say buzz not in a positive way. <laughs> um, even though the Oregon Project is now defunct, I still think, you know, the dust hasn't quite settled yet. And I think that's unfortunate for the athletes who are associated with it. Um, another thing that has been really interesting this time around is that not a lot of athletes have dropped out. Uh, it's Wednesday night. I know. I, maybe some have dropped I, out in the last hour. As you can I'm see, I'm dying to check. I'm very close to my phone <laughs> at all times right now because I just I feel like it's been very quiet. Yeah. So why do you think that is? Um, maybe we're training smarter these days. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it's only Wednesday, right? We've got Thursday and Friday yet. And, um, so the buzz that's been going around has been that there's so much tied to shoe launches that it wouldn't make sense to drop out. I have heard that. Do you think that's, do you think that there could be any truth to that? I don't know. Um, you know, my like naive optimistic side wants to say that all these athletes are super healthy, super fit and raring to go. Um, if it has to do with shoe launches, that would make me sad, but, um, you know, that. There's a business to this too, right. and that's fair. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. Um, you know, I've talked to nine of the top ten um, within the past week, and I've seen physically seen a lot of them right. um, just by way of where I live. And I would say that they're, you know, barring any like colds or. <laughs> Flues. Step off of the curb wrong. Yeah, or like freak accidents. They all seem genuinely healthy to me. So Cool. I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, I hope it stays that way. The airplane rides are what. <laughs> totally. Um, so you've been to a handful of Olympic trials. What do you recommend for somebody who is at their first? You know, I, <laughs> I am like so the wrong person because... <laughs> we have our heads down in the media room. And so that's my experience at the trials. It's very like very work environment type thing. So I feel like I don't have a whole lot of advice, but um, yeah, just there's a lot going on. And that's the other thing I think that um, the Atlanta track club has, has done really well is that, um, you know, in LA, there wasn't a lot going on. And in fact, you would have no idea the Olympic trials. Yeah, I don't remember were anything that there was, was nothing. happening there. There was really nothing going on. Um, the Grammys were going on. And of course, they right at kind the of Staples a, Center, right? Yeah, yeah right there. Uh, so that, that was very apparent. But um, yeah, I think just take advantage of there's panels, there's podcasts, there's parties. Everybody's there's, got a podcast. These everybody's days. got a podcast. <laughs> Um, you know, there's meetups and shakeouts and there's all these, all these things that have never gone on at the trials before. Um, go have fun, take advantage. There's like, you know, I'm going to pitch our little shakeout run on Saturday morning at eight 30. Um, where's that? It is at the, Oh God, where is it? It's we'll, at the, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I think it's in the Olympic rings in Centennial park, but right outside Omni hotel. Yeah. Um, so we're women's running and um, the clean sport collective. Cool. Yeah. It's right at the end of a plaza. And if you're looking at the rings, you're looking at the park and it's a pretty cool view right now. There's a blue wall 
right in front of it, so it's not a great view. But I assume they'll open that up over the weekend. Let's hope so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the whole thing was blocked off. I tried to walk around earlier, and uh, they're like, I they're... literally just got off the plane. I've not seen <laughs> anything. It's okay. It was it was pretty rainy here, so it wasn't it wasn't all that great. Yeah, uh, I'll explore tomorrow though. For sure. Okay, back to you for a little bit. Oh geez. Um, what do you wish people knew about you or about being a writer in in the sport? Oh, um, that's a good question. Um. I think, what do I wish people knew about being a writer in the sport? I think a lot of times um, people are always like, why don't you cover this? Why don't you write about this? And um, I think what I would wish that people understood is that um, we we do as much as we can, um, but we also think critically about what is most worthy of our time and resources um, and what is most interesting to our audience. And so sometimes that doesn't really coincide with what some readers would prefer. I guess. Do you get a lot of people asking you for things like to do things? Yeah. And we couldn't possibly respond to everybody. <laughs> uh, we do. And I love the, you know, everybody's got a story in the sport. Um, and I wish I could tell every story. Uh, unfortunately. You know, so what, what do you recommend do if somebody has a compelling story or success story or work in progress story? What do you recommend for them? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I guess it's always worth putting it out there. Um, I think for us, it's kind of like what makes you so different than, a, you know, this right. other story or what we've already written or that kind of thing. Um, not that I, you know, everybody's story is, you know, a little bit different, but we do get a lot of, you know, there's a lot of runners out there. Right. <laughs> I'm training really, really hard and I right. succeeded. And, you know, I ran my first half marathon, which is great. I applaud that. Um, but we can't write about everyone who's run a half marathon. What's next for the sport? Oh. Um, or what, what do you have a pulse on that you think most people are either unaware about or don't realize? Um or just don't realize? That's a really hard question. <laughs> Maybe another way to ask it is, is um, where, where do you think, right? So we had, we had the shoes, we had, um, we had the pregnancy piece and the, the rewording of contracts. And we had, um, we have this boom in in women's running and distance running in general. Mm -hmm. um, which of those do you think is is still a work in progress, or still, you know, the the story is just beginning? I think they're probably all just beginning. To be honest with you, um, I think we still have a long way to go. Um, there's still a lot of, you know. For as much as this sport has a lot of great gender equity qualities to it in that, um, you know, women are earning the same prize money. We don't know if they're earning the same appearance fees. Um, 
because that's all private or their contract, you know, are their contracts equal to men's? I don't know. They're all private. So Um, contracts in general seem to be pretty private. Do you think that that's, why do you think that is? Um, just like a lot of other things in this part, it's just the way it's always been. So, um, but I think the bigger issue here, um, that will, you know, I'm going to keep diving into is the fact that there are just aren't enough women in leadership positions, whether we're talking about at the brands or, um, in, you know, the media or, um, so who's doing it, who's doing it right. Let's, let's give some, some kudos to, to (laughs) people who are doing it right. Um, you know, there's, I, I applied and then, you know, full disclosure, my running club is, is sponsored by Under Armour and it's probably why I'm more aware of it, but I was really pleased, you know, they just started a new, um, training group, professional training group in Flagstaff and, um, they hired Shayla Holohan to be the coach, um, you know, that's that's a move I like to see because there's not a lot of women in coaching at that level. And so um, I think, you know, kudos to them for doing that. I talked to their sports marketing group and they're loving it. And it's been really awesome for the athletes, for the brand and mm-hmm. internally. And it's really cool to see a group like that um, with someone like her driving it. I know she has a counterpart, but um, she seems to be sort of the one in control of the programming and the athletes and things like that. It's really cool to see what they're doing and, and to see Under Armour, you know, making strides in that, in that department. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's awesome. What about some other, some other groups um, or people or. Yeah, I just, um, so our new issue, our, um, yeah, our new print issue just came out uh, this week. We're going to launch it tomorrow. Uh, but, uh, Shalane's on the cover and I did yet another piece of Shalane, uh, which I've, I've done <laughs> Timeless. Several. She's timeless. She's timeless. Um, but she's it's... elusive on this podcast though. Uh Oh, <laughs> Shalane. We'll have to have a talk about that. Um, anyway, she's on our cover. Um, and it's sort of about her second act as a coach and as a leader in the, in the sport. And, you know, and I think, you know, give Jerry Schumacher credit for, for listening to her several years ago saying, you know, saying, I think after I'm done running professionally, this is something I want to do. Teach me how to do it. And he listened to her and, and here we are. Yeah. It's incredible what she has the ability and potential to do, right? She has hundreds of thousands of followers on social media and she's got books and she's got, you know, maybe an ear at Nike, Perhaps I hope so. Um, I, I mean, think they have many women like Shalane that um, should be front and center in whatever's next there. Yes, I have a few friends that work there, and they're all very intelligent mm-hmm. people, and they should use their expertise for that kind of thing. I can't really <laughs> say more <laughs> than that, um, out of respect for them, but. Um, yeah, it's really interesting that that like their trail team is incredible and the women that are on their trail team are amazing people and they don't invest in in them at all. Hmm. I think that's a major miss as well. Like talk about storytelling. Yeah. You look at Sally, you look at at um you know, Achilles, Keely, you look at any of them. They're they're great at what they do from a running perspective, obviously, because they're on the team, but 
from a community standpoint and and you look at Keely from her her educational background like they have so much to bring to the table that I think is a missed opportunity currently but I'll step off maybe that'll change I'll step off my soapbox yes I agree (laughs) um yeah I I think hopefully it will change yes yeah. Um, I do love the fact that, that people like Kara and Shalane and um, some others, as they've stepped away from competitive running, they're, they're remaining such leaders in the sport. And I think that's something we haven't seen before. And I think it's crucial. I think Kara's, Kara's voice is getting louder and louder and more respected as yeah. time goes on. And it's really awesome to see. And I've gotten to know her a little bit. And she's like she just seems to be more fired up than ever. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, it is not easy for her at all. Um, you know, it's not an easy path to take that. Um, and so I think I give her a lot of respect for that. Definitely. It's, it's crazy to see some of the replies to her tweets. And I had her, I had her on the podcast when I was out in Boulder and she, one of, when I asked, the question, like, what do you wish people knew about me? Her answer was like, I'm human and I read right. everything. Yeah. And so these these people that are sending this garbage to to people on the internet, like, it's red. I, yeah, I, it's awful. It's terrible. So, yeah, that that's not good at all. Don't do that. Um, but yeah, I think I think their voices are continuing to get louder and louder, and and people are listening to them. And I think that you take you take a current athlete like Mary and, you know, have Kara as her mentor and that's how you make structural change. You have someone who's who's knocking on USATF's door and attending meetings and doing all the things that, that she and the rest of that group are doing. And then you have athletes who are currently racing or racing again and and um then seeing success. And it's it's not just, it's not, it's, it's action reaction. And then, and then they continue to improve and it's great. And, you know, Mary has her second career and hopefully it's, you know, 15 years plus. So. Yeah, I hope so. Well, cool. What, um, one last question. What do, what do you wish people knew about you? (laughs) I'm not going to have a profound answer like Kara did. (laughs) Um, that was a good answer that we're all human, you know. Um, I I don't get the amounts of, of hate mail that Kara uh, does, that's for sure. But it is it's rough out there, that's for sure. <laughs> I actually have two more questions, if if you don't mind. Um, one question that I like to ask a lot on here is, "What are you afraid of?" Oh, God. <laughs> you, you could say really spiders. You could say spiders. You can say you know <laughs> death. You can say whatever you want. <laughs> What am I afraid of? I'm afraid of running out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Mike Wardian said he was afraid of losing his love for running. Yeah, and, I and, can see that. And so for for you in your position, I think that's the same thing. It's oh, like for, yeah, it's it's the the writer's equivalent. Um, the last question is again one that I ask often and is perhaps less intimidating maybe um balance (laughs) is something uh or juggling as it was described on instagram recently um juggling or balance is something that that a lot of us struggle with Mm -hmm. or um 
you know, we all wear many hats. You run, you write, um, all these different things. And at some point, you know, there, something's got to give. So how do you, how do you prioritize? How do you, how do you focus on making sure that at the end of the day, you're happy? Yeah, I think that's something that I've gotten better at as I've gotten older. Um, you kind of like learn that there really is no balance. Um, so I'll just take this past, you know, few weeks, for example, it's, you know, the Olympic trials are like the Super Bowl of our sport. And so is there balance? Are there days that I'm just not going to have balance? Absolutely. And that's short term. Um, but also over the weekend and, uh, you know, I've worked several, several weekends in a row now just trying to get things done and, and write some stories and talk to people and all those kinds of things. But I think recognizing when you're about to like, you know, every, when hit the hit the hit wall, the wall. Um, you know, the other day I was like, I have one more thing. It was Friday. I was like, one more thing I got to get done. And I just noticed that I kept making stupid errors in my story. Like I was saying, you know, the wrong PR for somebody and something that I should know off the top of my head. And I kept making all these stupid and I was like, you know what? <laughs> it's Friday. <laughs> I am doing more harm than good. And I think you can apply that to anything. Like if you're out running and it feels terrible and it's just not getting better, it's, you know, back up. Um, it's Back just off. knowing yourself well enough to be like, I'm going to do this a whole lot better tomorrow. So let's just call it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to to wrap it up here. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for joining. And uh, and sorry we didn't have that wine that I promised you. I know. Where is that wine? <laughs> I think we got to go find that. Yeah. All this right. Time. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and enjoy the Olympic trials. That's it for today's episode. Like many long runs, it's sad when it has to end. I hope you join in next week on For the Long Run. And in the meantime, happy trails. If you've enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to me if you shared it so that others can find it and enjoy it too.